Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Could the war on vaping finally take a turn in favor of tobacco harm reduction in 2023? It's a legitimate question, even though the cause has suffered major losses, such as the California flavor ban, just to name one. Joining us today to help answer this question is Demetrius Agrafiotis, aka The Vaping Greek. He's a global advocate for vaping, former executive director of the Tennessee Smoke-Free Association, and one of the most well-known advocates in the world of vaping. Demetrius, it's great to see you. Great to see you too, Brent. Thanks for having me back on. So Demetrius, right off the top, what's your assessment of the war on vaping coming out of 2022 and heading into 2023? Uh, certainly, I think that we have a little mixed bag. I think that we, we we've made some progress in in this last year, um, uh, a lot due to the Cochrane report that came out, which is out of the United States, and and a few of the studies that have come out of the PATH study that the FDA has been doing since 2015. Um, that certainly has uh, shifted a little bit the the opinion, uh, not so much on on a, a national uh, level, but certainly on an academic level, with a few people that we're seeing come on our side. Uh, at the same time, everything uh, uh, that we've seen as far as the opponents uh, of vaping in America shows that every time that something good comes out, there's a huge push, uh, Bloomberg uh, paid media and others to uh, once again discredit uh, this product as, as a viable uh, option to the thousands of smokers in, in America. So uh, even though we do have some good stuff that has come out, we certainly have a huge uh, pushback from mainstream media in the way that they present. Uh, these facts. And I think that we're going to continue in 2023 with the legislative session coming in various states uh, to see this war on vaping ramp up even more. Uh, that way, these special interest groups can pass the various bad pieces of legislation that they want across the country. Now, did you see that uh, the Republicans, as soon as they took control of the House uh, this week, this past week, they actually lifted the smoking ban? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that our health uh, has to to uh, fall on a political scale. Uh, I, I believe every human being has the right to to live a healthier life. Uh, and that just does not go just for vaping as well, but mostly for vaping, because this is what I advocate for. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I hope I hope that uh, I hope that this comes out of the political arena soon in America. And I hope that more people in the health sector stop depending on pharmaceutical um, plugs uh, and and uh, various Bloomberg funded uh, media and start looking at the facts and the science and, and start recommending more smokers uh, in America uh, discover vaping as a, as a viable option. If they've tried everything else in the past and it has failed for them, uh, vaping is definitely vaping alternative nicotine products is certainly something that can help them. It's been proven to be effective, much more effective than anything that's available right now. And and hopefully we'll be able to turn this number around of uh, almost half a million Americans that die every year from smoking and start reducing it. Now, the Reagan Udall Foundation released a report late last year on FDA, which FDA asked them to prepare, which in our read on that actually showed that, um, well, that the FDA is struggling uh, to actually perform their duties as a regulator. And that's exactly what Reagan Udall said. What did you make of that report and the findings? 
you know, I mean, something that we expect that as somebody that has followed PMTAs and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work with the FDA, I've met with the FDA several times. It's something, you know, we all knew that the system is uh, is uh, certainly flawed. What really uh, what really bugged me in that uh, that report is that um, there's a lot of good people in the FDA that were trying to do the right thing. However, the political pressure uh, got to them and they were not able to do their job. So once again, you know, it brings up the the question of this entire system and how it's set up, uh, including the FDA overseeing tobacco under the same, you know, uh, leadership that they've had all these years with with conflicts of interest and people that 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 go and head the FDA or the CTP and then go work for pharmaceutical companies, as we saw with Scott Gottlieb and all the news that came out this past week about him as well, too. Anytime you have that conflict of interest, uh, you're always going to have issues, as the uh, Regan Foundation put out in the, in their report. At the end of the day, um, the system does not work. Uh, the process of of analyzing and evaluating and scientifically proving that these products are less harmful than cigarettes is simply a monopoly for the big tobacco companies in America, and it's always going to be there until the system changes. Yeah, it's an authorization regime that they've implemented. Uh, Claude Bates has perfectly ripped this apart on many occasions. And it's that, you know, it's that having to authorize, get the authorization for each individual product, which is why we're pretty much in a position where there are no products except for a small few. It's also important to bring up that the it's it's for the it's for the appropriate protection of public health. So even right. if you can prove that your technology and the e-liquid is safer than smoking, that's not enough. It has to prove that it's not going to entice kids, basically, to Correct. pick up vaping. And that's, that's such a subjective area uh, that that's pretty much why we're in where we're at. Cor correct. And, and it's called the Philip Morris Protection Act for a reason, right? <laughs> because it was designed to, pro to, to, to protect the... Um, uh, the sales of the big uh, the big companies. And, uh, and and you're absolutely correct. I think before we even look at the APPH uh, and what it could possibly do, I think we need to look at the risk and the damage and what this product can cause before before we discuss about if kids are going to use it or if adults going to use it. So I think this is something that's been missing through our conversations over the last decade. Every time that we try to talk about vaping, people bring up the kids, people bring up the flavors, people bring up, but they don't bring up the biggest issue. And that is how harmful is this product? And if this product was not on the market today, what would kids and adults be using? And the answer always falls down to cigarettes so as long as that product is still on the market there should be viable solutions to it and vaping is definitely a, a solution to it even if uh, a few kids pick it up now you mentioned the philip morris protection act there's exactly been what it's a, called. there's been a lot of activity going on over the last uh, yeah. few weeks with pmi um hey are you joining pmi I thought I no, heard no. That. In fact, in fact, I, I I released my my statement stepping down from the Tennessee Smoke Free Association last week, and I actually had to put it on there because I was getting so many messages from people saying, "Oh, you're leaving the TSFA, you're joining PMI." It makes sense, right? Because everybody else seems to be the trend. Um, but um, but no, I'm not joining uh, joining PMI. I have uh, joined. Uh, I have was actually voted. Uh, Vice President of the Greek Independent Trade uh, Vapor Association here. Uh, my work is keeping me in Europe uh, a lot. So I, unfortunately, I cannot give 
um, the usual 110% that I give into the state association. So I decided to step down after eight years of volunteering. And I think I put my time in, Brent. I think it's time for me to step down and, and let some other people take over. So thankfully, uh, a, a good group of vendors in Tennessee uh, that truly believe in harm reduction stepped up and are going to be taking it over. So I, I highly suggest you continue to support them both financially and with a cost to action because it's going to be a difficult uh, 2023 legislative session in, in Tennessee. However, uh, thankfully, I've been very, very successful in vaping, and I continue to spread uh, harm reduction without having to attach PMI to my resume. So for everyone to know, I mean, some some friends of our show that have been on the show quite often, Amanda Wheeler sure. from the yeah, American Vaping Manufacturers Association, she started it. She is now moving to PMI. Paul Blair, who was with the Taxpayers Protection Association uh, or the Taxpayers yeah. Alliance, yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. And he played, you know, a very critical role back in 2018, 2019, um, and into 2020 um, with the fight. And he's joined PMI. What's going on with that? It went, what's happened with PMI in the U.S. that, you know, has caused um, this to happen? Yeah, I, 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 first of all, I want, and there's going to be a few more other announcements uh, from what I've heard of, of people joining um, um a PMI. And I, and I want to wish him all the best and luck. Uh, I, I like Paul. I like Amanda. They've been friends of mine in the industry for a very long time, and I hope they're very successful, and I hope they're happy with their decision. Um, however, what we're seeing from PMI is simply uh, the beginning of a huge, huge marketing campaign for Heat Not Burn, Iquos. This is what this is what's all about. Um, Iquos uh, should have been launched a while ago. It was one of the first products that got uh, authorization to be on the market. Uh, and, and here in Europe, it's very, very popular. We see it here in Greece every day. Um, definitely less harmful than traditional uh, smoking. Uh, and um, unfortunately, PMI did have some legal hurdles in America. There was a few courts that had stopped the, the pre-launch sale that they had in, in the state of Georgia and Virginia, which was the two test markets that they were doing in the United States. Uh, however, all those those legal hurdles have been cleared now. Uh, and with the asphyxiation of the independent vapor industry, it just opens up that pathway uh, for PMI to come out and and really promote heat, not burn in, in the States. And, you know, I hope that the product does uh, very well. Uh, I certainly believe in it. I, I certainly recommend it to people that have tried vaping and they cannot get to quit smoking or that's just they just just simply not for them. Uh, it's a, it's a great tradition um, uh, transition product to vaping as well too. We see a lot of people that have quit here in Europe with heat not burn transition easier to vaping because they get used to using an electronic device. Uh, however, again, it's not my thing. It's not my specialty. It's not something that I could possibly promote. And it's certainly nothing that I could put my name uh, behind it, especially uh, through Big Tobacco. I think one of the biggest uh, misconceptions that that I think vapors in the vaping community have is that, oh, uh, look, Big Tobacco is, is hiring people from the vaping industry. This is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing for PMI. But it's certainly not going to be a good thing for the independent vapor industry, open vapor as we know it, and the variety and the accessibility of products. Vaping works because we have a variety and accessibility of products. Once that variety and accessibility goes away, all we're seeing is a monopoly. And that's good. That's exactly what PMI wants to do. They don't care. Of course, obviously, they know that less harmful products are being more popular and it's going to be the future in order to sustain 
uh, the company and its shareholders. But ultimately, PMI wants to be the only one that sells these alternative nicotine products, including cigarettes. Um, one of the biggest uh, funny statements I've ever heard from PMI is that, you know, we believe in a smoke free future. And it makes them sound like, oh, my God, they're just um, they're just the saviors. You know, this is a, it's a turn of hearts. These people really care, uh, which is absolute uh, crock. Um, uh, but they understand that there's a shift happening. They understand that people are shifting to these products. And uh, and as a company that your goal is to keep your shareholders happy and rich, um, you must shift to these products. Um, there's two ways to do that. Uh, number one is um, uh, buy your competition. And number two is eliminate your competition via um, legislation, as we're seeing in a lot of states, uh, via the FDA, as we're seeing with the PMTA. And this is what these laws are designed to do. So best of luck to them. However, anybody that's out there, uh, I would never, as an advocate of, of vapor, come out and say this is a very good thing for vaping. It might be a good thing for uh, harm reduction movement, uh, but certainly not for the industry. Uh, the friends that I have made, people that feed their families from this, the, the independent vape shops across the United States, um, all these small moms and pops operations that have sprung up in the last decade, it's certainly not a good thing for them. Fair enough. It may not be very good for, uh, for vapor. It's interesting, though, PMI did also just buy Swedish Match, which is, you know, one of the largest uh, snooze, you know, the originator of snooze, basically. And snooze um, and Swedish Match, it, you know, the U.S. has been one of the fastest growing markets for them. Sure. And so that obviously played a big reason why PMI bought that company. And now we're hearing, you know, we're just all the pieces have just probably finally fallen into place for PMI. Sure. And, uh, and also from a tax structure, it makes more sense. These products like Heat Not Burn and Swedish uh, Match uh, and Snooze, these products are can fit in a tax structure in America as well, too, where our products, they're just, you know, a, a, an independent vape shop can possibly have, you know, up to 100,000 SKUs inside. That simply does not fit in a tax structure in America. It's it's impossible. So, um, so yeah, it does, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, uh, and once again, you know, we're seeing these new alternative, great alternative nicotine products. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, as Dimitri, as Vaping Greek, I'm going to continue to make open vapor products. I'm going to continue to make open tanks. I'm going to continue to make delicious uh, 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 nicotine e-liquid that people enjoy uh, because I believe that is that variety that, that can help anybody that wants to quit smoking and not necessarily one product that one company is going to shove it down your throat. One big thing that's popping up, uh, Demetrius, is this issue with the science. What the heck is going on? Another paper was just retracted late last year on cancer that had blamed basically vaping for cancer. What are your thoughts? Peer-reviewed journals in America are, again, pay-to-play. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. We've seen a lot of these these uh, bad studies that have come out again over the last decade. Uh, yet it being uh, uh, scientists don't know how to use the products. They're getting false readings. Um, they're using a lot of these terms may possibly could. Uh, we need more money. We need more grants to do more studies. The system is simply flawed, um, unfortunate uh, for for the vaping industry and uh, missing. Uh, we, we've talked about this on, on your show a couple of years ago. Uh, missing the huge public relations arm that the vaping industry should have employed all these years, 
to be able to promote that this study that got such huge national attention, not only in the U.S., but globally, that vaping causes cancer was retracted. Um, I heard about it. You heard about it. But I guarantee you that your average citizen uh, or people that do shows and call vaping douche fluting have not heard or don't, don't know that this study was retracted. So, yeah, I, I like to see some of this stuff happen. But once again, I know it already. How, uh, at what point are we going to realize that who really needs to hear it is the person that does not smoke or does not vape? Uh, who really needs to hear it is these people that that have struggled to quit smoking all these years, but they refuse to do so because they're being fear mongered into not doing it. So until that shifts, until the way that we're able to portray these good stories that come out, uh, I think that even with a retraction it doesn't really do much good for us. What about the California flavor ban? That's a disaster, is it not? Yeah, I mean it's a disaster. Thankfully, they, we've seen this in in other states as well too. I think I think it's not going to deter the hardcore, passionate vapors of 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 getting their products. I think people that have like me have quit twelve years now. No matter what the government does, I'm still going to be able to to get my products. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's going to go into a black market. Uh, I think a lot a lot of these states that have passed like California, these flavor bands are going to realize at some point it was a mistake. It's a little bit sentimental for me as well too because from a romanticism standpoint a lot of these flavors were born in california california was leading uh in e-liquid companies and producing these delicious strawberry cheesecakes and all these other liquids that that that, that were very popular in the united states so it's a little bit sad to see um however it's definitely not unexpected and that starts the domino we saw oregon which uh, again follows whatever california does announce this past week that they're going after the same thing and then more and more states are are going to follow um so yeah it's just it's an unfortunate sign of the times and until the fda comes out and and supports flavored uh, nicotine vaping i think we're going to continue to see it so obviously the biggest impact isn't on current users it's on all those smokers out there that you know are are not going to try vaping because, of course, either it's illegal or it's just been smeared to a point where they believe that vaping is more harmful than smoking. California depends a lot on tobacco tax. They have uh, they have a lot of bonds that that are threatened to be defaulted. And, uh, you know, in business, sometimes, uh, Brent, you need to stop the bleeding, right? So the people that have already um, uh, quit smoking, I think maybe uh, the governments have kind of given up. Okay, well, we're not going to get these guys. But what we can do is stop more people uh, from not buying cigarettes. And this is what we need to do right now. And this is why you're seeing these bans. Should the public trust public health on vaping? As it stands right now, uh, and speaking on 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 the U.S., absolutely not. And and it's not just vaping. I think that we've seen in the last decade that there's been you know with COVID and a volley and other things that have uh, popped up that that we simply cannot trust them. There's too many special interest groups from a political aspect and also from the scientific community and the mainstream media that affect the way that they deliver a message, even when it's good. If you go now on the CDC website or the FDA website, you're going to see that Evali was caused by THC. You're going to have to search. You're going to have to search a lot on that website to find this one paragraph that admits that nicotine vapor never caused Evali. However, it is there. So, yeah, absolutely. It cannot be trusted at this point um, until more people... Um, in these very prominent positions like the FDA. We heard from people within the FDA that said, we wanted to do our job, however, we were not allowed to do that. So we need to get more people like that to come out and, and more people to realize that your health 
is not at the top priority list of our government right now and definitely not uh, public health. And that's, uh, that's just a disaster. I think that's the biggest tragedy that I've learned out of this whole experience, uh, first starting with vaping and then of course COVID impacted everybody, was that public health really doesn't have our best interest at heart. It's, it's a business, uh, I think, at this point. I think a lot of people realize that. Um, however, um, the, alongside with the misinformation that, that they provide, especially on vaping, there's also a smear campaign against the companies that make these products, against the people that use these products, against the people that are promoting uh, tobacco harm reduction, uh, especially on Twitter. You see what's happening on Twitter. Every time somebody posts their story, I, I quit smoking, Im immediately they're called a big tobacco shield. In, well, in Amanda's case, now they can say that, but in the other case of the other people, they cannot say this. So I think that uh, alongside with what we have gotten the, the the negative false narrative that the government has put out and public health has put out we're also being smeared we're also being ma to, to, made out to be that we're trying to get their kids hooked on nicotine now that simply simply is not true